morning. It is good to be with you, and thank you for joining us for this time of worship. Uh, not that I am counting, <clears throat> but I have 13 days before retirement. Uh, one of my challenges uh, in these recent weeks has been uh, moving stuff around. There's kind of a ripple effect to all of it. I have to throw things out at, at home to kind of make room for things from my office. Um, just kind of moving piles, it seems, at times. I, I appreciate the story from a friend who had a similar experience. He said, in my past, uh, my life was pretty simple. I had a formula when it comes to these kinds of things. Take care of what you have until it's broken or useless, and then store it in the basement or garage. Right? Maybe there? Well, he says, then I got married, and the formula changed. Take care of what you have. When it's broken, used up, of no value, then throw it away. So, my friend said, in my opinion, I began to throw away what was useless. There, there were boxes. With, with the bottom rotted out. There was some bad bird seed, at least I assumed it was bad. Uh, I planted some of it three times and, and no birds came up. Uh, uh, th th this seems to be a common drama in everyone's homes. Uh, things get used up, that's why we have garbage dumps. Uh, things get broken, they lose value, they have to be tossed out. But, but once in a while, once in a great while, there's a case of some, somebody throwing away something that is very valuable. Something very good and very right gets tossed. You can think of such times. Uh, they do not occur all that often. Suppose a man in a, a very nice, expensive suit sees a child drowning. He can't swim with all of that on and and so he tosses it aside. Now, now, now it was still good, <clears throat> but compared to the life of the child, imagine pioneers trying to get to California and Oregon. You know, they come to the Rocky Mountains and the, and the snow begins to fall and, and those wagons, those wagons are heavy and, and the leader says we have to unburden these wagons and and the children are crying and the parents are crying, but, but over into the rocks and down into the ravine go furniture and, and chests filled with precious things, a, a, a piano. The group cannot go on if they hold on to these things. E even the Bible, even the Bible has stories about ships tossed by storms or hanging onto a sandbar that had to let go of cargo, or even people sometimes. Precious cargo, good cargo, fine clothes, jewelry, furniture, all kinds of good things tossed away. It, 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 becomes, it becomes a matter of life and death and in view of the crisis, even that which is good has to go. We have seen story after tragic story in the news. You know, the, the, the West is on fire, and, and the Southeast is, is underwater. 
and our hearts go out to so many who have had to let go of so much in order to try to save their lives and save the lives of loved ones. A magazine article described what some folks took with them. Iona said, I made sure to hold on to my late husband's picture ID. I carry this all the time as a reminder of him. Danny, 10 years old, she said, I kept my football. I want to play quarterback someday for the Saints. Chantel, 28, she said, I, you know, I salvaged just a few photos of my family, which she describes as her heart and her soul and her memories. And Christopher, Christopher, 22, hung on to his Bible saying, where else are you going to turn in, in a time like this? Faced with a similar situation, what would it be for you? What one thing would you keep? Today we continue to flip through Philippians, and we're in the midst of a four-part series called Together. We have heard Paul urge us to stand together and serve together. Today's message is thrive together. Now that word doesn't pop up all that often in our Bible, and it doesn't pop up all that often in our hymnals either out there, uh, but it does show up in this letter from Paul. In the third chapter, Paul refers to his resume. Rob read a little bit of that this morning, and that resume is impressive. Paul had lots of things to hang on his wall. But he says, you know, if anyone has a reason to boast, I have more. <laughs> you know, what happened to that humility thing in chapter 2? Where did it go? Um, and yet we have to consider the context for his words. He has found something much better and much more valuable. He describes his before and after life. He has let go of that saved by the law mindset. He has let go of that saved by works alone uh, mindset, and he has discovered the immeasurable mercy and love and grace of God. He says, if I entered into a bragging contest, I would win. Not for what I have. I'm not all that wealthy. In fact, I'm in jail right now. <laughs> but, but I would win because of who I am. My identity, my family tree, my connections, my status, I don't know a soul who can match my achievements. But I consider all of that rubbish now, garbage now. The Greek word is much stronger. It is poop <laughs> or dung or manure. And I could go on, but you get the idea. He says, I have tossed all that. I have dumped it in the dump. But why? Why would Paul let go of all of that which is so good? I don't know, but maybe, maybe because he believes that Jesus emptied himself, became human, was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He, he believes that this is what Jesus is about. Discipleship is not about upward mobility, but downward humility. And so Paul believes that followers should be like Jesus, and he believes that this is the most important thing in his life, 
right now. This is the purpose that drives him on. And so I think one of our questions this morning is what drives us? What drives us for what will we strive? I had an interesting revelation when I was cleaning out my stuff in my office closet. I came across my doctor of ministry degree certificate. I meant to hang it up on the wall in the May in, in May of 1999. And, uh, I just finished the program and had the piece of paper, and, and that piece of paper was to join some others, the undergraduate and master of divinity degree certificate, the theta phi certificate, the ordination certificate, the ministerial code of ethics, which I uh, check every day. So, no. <laughs> but, but the doctor of ministry certificate never went on display. When I arrived here in 1997, you know, we all kind of hit the ground running. And it was inspiring to be in ministry and mission with so many faithful folks. And, and somehow the letters before my name didn't matter all that much anymore. You know, there were so many important things to do and, and to celebrate and, and to work on. And so instead of that, I, I set aside some space in my desk which I call a grace and gratitude drawer. And that drawer includes notes and pictures and messages from members and friends of the church family. And they're all about our shared ministry together. It, it's my keeper drawer. And it reminds me to continue to give thanks for, for all of you. And it reminds me to continue to be grateful to those who have gone before all of us and endured such incredible challenges, as well as to pray for those who will keep the vision and mission alive in the days and months and years to come. For instance, we recently celebrated the life of Helen Cox, a delightful woman. Her long life helped us get some perspective about our situation right now. She was born in 1920. You can do the math. <laughs> her, her life literally spanned two global pandemics. A couple of years before she was born, World War I ended. Over 20 million people perished in that war. And then the Spanish flu pandemic spread like wildfire. Around 50 million people on the planet lost their lives. When she was just nine years old, the Great Depression began. Unemployment hit 25%. The world GDP dropped 27%. The country nearly collapsed along with the world economy. And still a teenager at 19, World War II started. The United States was fully engaged in that conflict. And between the ages of 19 and 25, 75 million folks lost their lives. And then smallpox. <laughs> smallpox ran rampant during her 20s, eventually taking out 300 million folks. From her birth until 35, she dealt with fear of polio epidemics every summer 
at 30, the Korean War happened. Uh, it, <laughs> the Vietnam War happened. For 20 years, it went on. During the Cold War, she lived with uh, a constant sense of the threat of nuclear war. At 42, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point. Uh, life on our planet as we know it could have ended. And the list goes on. You get the idea, you know. You get the idea. And I'm not even halfway through her life yet. You know, think about what's happened in the past 50 years. And, and, and think about what happened in our country before she was born. Ah, how, how did Helen, how did Helen and so many others endure all of that? Now think about this church, this this congregation. Our birthday as Baptists was 1784. We became Christians, part of the disciples movement in 1842. We survived the Civil War. We were in the thick of it. We had church members on both sides. Some are concerned about our future. Are we ever going to recover from COVID? Will there ever be an end to these quarantines? But I think we can find great hope in the lessons and in the people of the past, in their striving and in their surviving. People got us to this point. And so it's our turn to, to carry the torch from here together. I really appreciate the words from one who wrote from the heart, who, one who wrote from the midst of a crisis. She said, as danger and death danced around, we became one color. As we carried each other to safety, we became one class. As we lit candles of hope, we became one generation. As frontliners risked their lives, we became one gender. As we prayed for strength, we became one faith. As we said words of encouragement, we spoke one language. As we gave our blood, sweat, and tears, we became one body. As we mourned the great losses, we became one family. And as we recall the sacrifices of heroes who have gone before, we become one people. And so what about us? What about us? What, what goes and what will we keep? What are we going to do with our pride? What will we do with our own agenda and our own independence? What will we do with our, our time and resources and talents? What will we do with our own resume? Paul urges us this morning to, to let him go. Let him go and become more like Jesus. And he would remind us again that we are in this together. Did we, in our own strength, confide? Our striving would be losing, but, but, but there's one who takes our side, one of God's own choosing. You may ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, with mighty power to save victorious or the grave, Christ will 
prevail triumphant, and God's reign, God's reign will endure.